hopefully before the end, by the end of this month on our Friday programs. And uh, we just wanted to do the right thing or the wise thing. Amen? But there's a psalm I'll be discussing with you on Sunday. Um, the, the psalm I'm going to be discussing with you on Sunday, after, during, especially during the first service, about a prayer of Solomon. And it seems like a very selfish prayer. But to me, uh, we're going to be watching a, a short teaching by Rick Warren, uh, who, who just was at the TED Talks and explained some principles which I want to use as a, a bouncing off point for, for where we're going. Stephen, is this thing on? But before we, while I'm waiting for that to go on, this is a children's book that my wife brought back from America on her last trip. It's called Snapshots. This is a book for children between the age of... Um, I think it's less than 12. This is, uh, I, I think the categories are not here properly, I think, uh, but it's something below the age of 12. And I want to read one or two things here. One of the things it says is, what, I'm going to give it to you so you think I'm lying. What is a commission? Soldiers who serve in an army are given a commission, a job to do, and the authority and resources to carry it out. It becomes their personal missions, what they do with their life. Is that the head of a police force is called a commissioner. He gives the officers their commission, their task. They have his authority and the resources to do their job. And to me, it's very interesting to think that we have commissioners who don't know their jobs. And this is a book for a 12-year-old. I wish you would understand the ignorance level of this nation. I wish we would. I wish we would understand the ignorance level of governance in this nation. This is Psalm 72. I'm going to be discussing it in full. I don't have time to now because I don't have enough time to do what I even wanted to do. This is the Psalm by Solomon. This is another version. It's not going to be the same in your Bible, but you can look at it in your Bible, Psalm 72. Very interesting. Uh, one thing I like about this screen is that you can actually go to the door and read it. Praise the Lord. But what is interesting to me is that look at the sound. It says, please help the king to be honest and fair, just like you. Let him be honest and fair with all your people, especially the poor. Let peace and justice rule every mountain and here. Let the king defend the poor, rescue the homeless, and crush everyone who hurts them. Are you guys here? Let the king live forever like the sun and the moon. Look at the prayer point for the king. Let him live forever like the sun and the moon. Let him be as helpful as the rain that refreshes the meadows and the, 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 the meadows and the ground. Let the king be fair with everyone and let there be peace until the moon falls from the sky. Let his kingdom reach from sea to sea, from Euphrates River across all the earth. Now this is Solomon praying for himself. And he explains why. Force the desert tribes to accept his rule. Make his enemies crawl in the death. Force the rulers of Tashes. Stephen, if it goes up, you know you're using the bigger jet. So I don't have to tell you that one. Force the rulers of Tashis and the islands to pay taxes to him. Make the kings of Sheba and Sheba bring gifts. Make other rulers bow down and all nations serve him. Why? He says, do this because the king rescues the homeless when they cry out and he helps everyone who is poor and in need. 
has pity on the weak and the helpless and protects those in need. He cares when they are hurt. He saves them from cruel and violent death. Long live the king. Give him gold from Sheba. Always pray for the king and praise him each day. Let cities overflow with food and the hills be covered with grain. Just like Mount Lebanon, let the people of the city prosper like wildflowers. Do you see we haven't started praying for our nation? May the glory of the king shine brightly forever like the sun in the sky. Let him make nations prosper and learn to praise him. Lord God of Israel, we praise you. Only you can work miracles. We will praise your glorious name. Let your glory be seen everywhere on earth. Amen. Ah, look, I don't know about you, but we haven't started prayer for the nation yet. Because the whole essence is for the poor man on the road to thank God for the king. It's for every one of us to wake up in the morning and say, thank God for Nigeria. Do you know our people don't understand that? Our leaders don't understand it? I don't know if I'm making any sense. This is not my sermon tonight. When when Ben was shot, because this is what I'm going to share on Sunday. In the first service, probably we're going to use it as our prayer point for the second, but that's not. But this is just something I wanted us to put on the back of our minds. And on this page, on one of the pages in this, I'm going to pass this book around. Please make sure I get it back. It says, All God's law show his care for his people. What are they all about? Here are some clues. God gave laws about food, friendship, buildings, illness, money, families, and worship. Pass it around. Look at it and pass it around and see whether I'm lying. I, I, look, we have not started. I don't know if you get the point I'm making. The impact of whatever we're doing as Christians should touch every part of us. Am I making sense? Praise the Lord. Well, let's let's do what we came here for tonight. I didn't come. Now all the notes on this screen are notes from a man called Jim Ron. They're not my notes. So I want tonight to be more like a discussion. Is that okay with you? Because one of the reasons why I've become so, I don't know, I think what happened to me on Sunday was when, when um, Nia, this one I was preaching, I was just happy for a change. You know what I mean? That I'm not the only one who seems to be crazy. Because sometimes you feel like that. You go to a place, everybody's preaching in this direction, you are preaching in that direction, you look so odd. You feel as if you are mad, that something is wrong with you. Everything we're going to read is about Jim Rohn. But this is the interesting thing about what Jim Rohn is saying. Jim Rohn is saying in summary that life is made up of four seasons. Your life will constantly go through four seasons. And in Africa, we have rainy season and dry season. But in other countries, because of the more little bit sophisticated weather, they have four. Okay? We have four, but we sometimes don't notice it. I don't know if you because they're not that distinct. For instance, now we are in between the dry season and the rainy season, what they call spring. Am I making sense? And then between summer and winter, you have what is called autumn. 
I, I don't know if you get the point I'm making. Summer, the bright trees begin to fall apart. The leaves begin to fall. They begin to turn brown. We have it, but we don't notice it. But Jim Rohn is simply saying that all of us, whether we like it or not, our life runs in seasons. And that one of the keys to being successful in dealing with the force, we're not dealing with all the four seasons the rest of the month, but today he wants to tell you that the greatest key to succeeding with your seasons is your attitude. So let's talk about attitude first, if you don't mind, okay? Now please, you read it. I'm just going to discuss it. Is that okay? The process of change begins within us. We all have tremendous potential. We all desire good results from our efforts. Most of us are willing to work hard and to pay the price that success and happiness demands. Each of us has the ability to put our unique human potential into action, to acquire a desired result. But one thing that determines our potential, that produces the intensity of activity, that predicts the quality and the results we receive is our attitude. Let's move a little faster because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Attitude determines how much of the future we are allowed to see. It decides the size of our dreams and the influences of our determination when we are faced with new challenges. No other person on earth has dominion over your attitude. People can affect our attitude by teaching us poor thinking habits or intentionally misinforming us or providing us with negative sources of influence. But no one can control our attitude unless we voluntarily surrender that control. Notice there are no scriptures up there right now. I'll share them as we go along. I like this. He says, no one else makes us angry. That, that, that freaks me out. You know how something just throws you? He says, no one else makes me angry. In other words, you choose to be angry. That's why God can tell you, be angry and sin not. We make ourselves angry when we surrender control of our attitude. When some, what someone else may have done is irrelevant. We choose, not they. They merely put our own attitudes to test. If we then select a volatile attitude by becoming hostile, angry, jealous, or suspicious, then we have failed the test. The other one about commission is inside the book there. If we condemn ourselves by believing that we are unworthy, then again we have failed the test. Now, are you getting my point? I'm just reading what Jim wrong, right? Because I was going to edit it, but I said, why? 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 If we care at all about ourselves, then we must accept full responsibility for our own feelings. We must learn to guard against those feelings that have the capacity to lead our attitude down the wrong path and to strengthen those feelings that lead us confidently into a better future. If we want to receive the rewards of the future holes in us and trust for us, then we must exercise the most important choice given to us as members of the human race by maintaining total dominion over our attitude. Ladies and gentlemen, your attitude is how you think. How you see life. 
You know, it's so amazing. I have people working with me a lot. And every time they come to me, I always tell them, you are telling me the problem, not the solution. It just helps me to know their, 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 their attitude. It helps me to see who they are. When you come to me and all you're telling me is the problem, I know who you are. You have an attitude problem. You keep talking about the problem. And the problem is not the problem. It's not what happens to you that defeats you. It's what, <laughs> it's what you do with what happens to you. Are you here? Attitude, ladies and gentlemen, is everything. Our attitude is an asset, a treasure of great value, which must be protected. He says, beware of the vendors and thieves amongst us who will injure our positive attitude and seek to steal it away. Having the right attitude is one of the most basics that success requires. The combination of a sound personal philosophy and a positive attitude about ourselves and the world around us gives us an inner strength and a firm resolve that influences all the other areas of our existence. Ladies and gentlemen, your attitude is what gets you up in the morning or keeps you on the bed. It's what frustrates you. Believe me, this country can be frustrating. It has a unique frustrating element about it. Right now, we are on two phases of Nepal, right? That's why all the aces are not working. Am I right, Mr. Kendi? All the aces are not working. Because we have two phases of Nepal. My house, every three days, I spend 500 naira calling Nepal officials to come and fix what they should fix normally. I go to a mechanic, he makes a mistake about my car, I pay for it. I make drop calls and empty and takes the money. Multilinks doesn't work for two days, but they debit my account. Talk to me. But let me ask you a question. Am I as bad as somebody in a death camp under Hitler? If that person can survive Hitler's death camp, then I can survive Nigeria. It's attitude. Am I making sense? The combination of a sound personal philosophy and the possibility about ourselves and the world around us gives us an inner strength. And what keeps us going in this country, ladies and gentlemen, you all know it is not our externals. It's our inner strength. That's why God says in Ephesians, it says, be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. And your attitude. It says, let this mind be, with, be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let this attitude. He did not feel that it was something to be grasped at. Now we're going to talk about seasons of life. Am I making sense? I just laid that as a foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, life is about constant change. But it also has predictable patterns of change. And I like that. I like that's what the whole essence of this thing. He says everything that's going to happen to you next is totally predictable if you follow seasons. You know, I don't know about you, but when you are in school, how many of you know that you could cram? You, could, you didn't go for classes, am I right? You didn't go for classes throughout. But a week or two weeks before the exams, you go and you go and cram, you memorize, am I right? And then you read, you do what they call it, what they call it, what do people call it in school today now? I don't know what you people call it. In my own days, it used to be swatting. You jack, jack. I don't know where you people get jack from. You jack for two weeks and then you still pass the exam, am I right? Am I right? Okay. Now, you try it. You're a farmer. 
during the <laughs> during the season, don't clear the land. During the season, don't plant the corn. Then two weeks before harvest, quickly go and jack. Clear the land in two weeks, plant the corn in two weeks, and let us see whether it will reproduce. You see, you know why those things work in school? Because that's man-made. But in God's things, everything about God is predictable. His seasons are. That's for 6,000 years of recorded history. As human beings have entered the world, received parental instruction, classroom instruction, gathered the experience of life, many have set themselves ambitious goals and dreamed lofty dreams. As the wheel of life continues to turn, it's constant turning. All human emotions appear, disappear, and appear again. In other words, all of us go through this. All of us will go through every kind of conceivable. When somebody dies in our family, we cry. When the baby is born, we rejoice. Am I right? All of us go through these human emotions. Am I right? But a major challenge faced by all of us is that we must learn to experience the changing life cycles without being changed by them. Do you see the essence? He's saying all these emotions will come. But the key is that we must learn to experience all the life-changing cycles without being changed by them to make a constant conscious effort to improve ourselves in the face of changing circumstances. In other words, because Nigeria is getting worse doesn't mean I get worse. It doesn't mean I run my business at the lower standard. It doesn't mean I compromise on my values. Am I making sense? It should be in spite of it. And that's why he said, I believe the power and value. That is why I believe in the power and value of attitude. As I read, ponder, and speculate about people, their deeds and their destiny, I have become deeply convinced that it is our natural destiny to grow, to succeed, to prosper, and to find happiness while we are here on earth. But he says this, by our attitude, we decide to read or not to read. By our attitude, we decide to try or to give up. By our attitude, we blame ourselves for our failure or we blame others. But our, our attitude determines whether we tell the truth or tell a lie. Procrastinate, advance or restrict. Act or procrastinate. And by our own attitude, we alone actually decide whether to succeed or fail. Sunday sermon, Abby? No, it's for you. It's not for Sunday. I'm not a fool. How incredibly, how incredibly unique that a God who will create the complex and immense universe will create the human race and give to those human beings the free choice that will permit them to either select their own achievement or their own destruction. That's a good question to ask yourself. Why would God do that? And that's, we, that's one thing I found out that Christians fail to understand. That if I cannot curse God, then I cannot praise Him. It's the freedom that allows me to curse God that allows me to praise Him. It's the freedom to do evil that is the same freedom I have to do good. We kind of feel as if we're mechanical. You know what I mean? But we have choices. This is strange that an all-knowing God will give us a delicately balanced sphere called the earth and on it he will place an intelligent human being who will either develop it or destroy it. 
How terribly fascinating that a God will leave both projects, earth as well as humans, unfinished. Across the river streams, he built no bridges. He did not produce any pictures painted. He did not produce songs, songs. He left books unwritten. He left space unexplored. Why? For the accomplishments of these things, God created unfinished human beings who within his heart and mind has the capacity to do all these things and more depending on his choice. Is this too much? For tonight? You know, two Sundays ago, Pastor Professor Shutokun was here. When he walked into the auditorium, as I was about to leave, he walked up to me and said, Pastor Francis, where did you see this idea of people sitting on the table? I said, Prof, I didn't. I just figured out that we had space and we could sit down on tables. And it was more comfortable and there was nowhere in scripture that said we needed to do that. Am I making sense? Then he, after he left, I thought that was just a casual question. The next thing, me and this one, when he arrived last week, he said, why do you see people like this? And I said, you guys, come on. I have space. Am I making sense? Now, this is a choice I had to either conform to what everybody does or do what I believe is an option for me. And I'm saying that that choice is in everything you do in life. You can either get angry or don't get angry. You can get out of Nigeria or you can stay. <laughs> Am I making sense? But it's not Nigeria that should determine what you do. It's you. Attitude determines the choice and choice determines your results. All that we are and all that we can become has indeed been left unto us. For as long as you continue to draw breath, you have a chance to complete the work in and for the earth and for yourself that God has begun in you. In the cycles and seasons of life, ladies and gentlemen, attitude is everything. Yeah, I'm through. My sermon notes don't finish. Next week we're going to look at winter season and then we'll see. And what he simply explains to me and to you is that, my sister, you're going to have winter in your life <laughs> and after winter will come what? Spring. After spring will come summer. Huh? And after summer will come autumn. After autumn will come winter. And then again, after winter will come <laughs> all of us. And he spends the next four teachings explaining them and explaining the attitudes we need to have for each of them. But today, we just want to talk about attitude. Is that okay with you? I'm already through. You want to? Yeah, questions. Why not? Well, um, Pastor, I have this question. Attitude seems like um, something abstract. How do we develop positive attitude? 
Even though this question seems as if uh, it has a ready answer for it, but I want to look at myself and see the number of times I've involved myself with this attitude thing. But any time it is still discussed, I see it as the bottom line. So, how do we cultivate positive attitudes, right attitudes, to make right choices, to get the right results? Well, it's good that you brought that question up because I thought about this already from John Maxwell's book, Today Matters. This is what he says. He says, attitude is the way we habitually think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. You know, have you people ever wondered why movie stars marry movie stars? Why musicians marry musicians? Anybody know why? It's a simple question. No? Okay, why choir members marry choir members? Huh? They think alike? No, not necessarily. Because that's their community. You marry from your community. As a matter of fact, I remember what Pastor Ago said to me years ago. He says, one of the dozen things that if you are looking for a wife, go to a well. Because most marriages in the Bible come from a well. And a well is like a congregation of people coming together like a church. Now, am I making sense? You see, one of the interesting things you've got to understand is that your attitude is totally an outlook of the way you think. And the way you think has been shaped over the years by many circumstances, by your community primarily. Look at what it says here. It says, for some, the attitude finds opportunity in every difficulty. Others find difficulty in every opportunity. <laughs> and you know, there's some people you just tell them, look, I, I, I called the lady the other day. She wanted to start a business. And I said, why don't you do this? She said, I, I will do it in eight months' time or nine months' time. She hasn't started. She didn't even consider what I was offering her. She already found difficulty in the opportunity I was talking to her about. It's upbringing. It's the way you've been taught to think. And that's why the Bible says you should have your mind renewed. That's why God said, you know, it's very, I like um, this guy, Nia, this I said it. He said, God said, my thoughts, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts. He wants to change the way we think. Now, the word somebody used to say many years ago was, what will Jesus do? I would not say, what will Jesus do? I would say, what will Jesus think? How will Jesus address this situation? What will be his attitude? Somebody who is in an adultery is thrown to him and he knows that the law says to, to kill the person. But he says, no, no, no. Oh, come on, the one of you who is not a sinner, throw the first stone. He's showing you his own attitude. Am I making sense? You're, I like what it says. Some, some climb obstacles with positive attitude while others fail because of a negative attitude. Your attitude will either attract success <laughs> or it will totally repel it. Attitude is really about how a person is that overflows into how he acts. Do you see, how many of you know that famous, do you see a glass half empty or half full? 
Have you heard that statement before? Have you? Sweetheart, have you? You never heard somebody say, is this glass half empty or half full? The person who has a negative attitude will see it as a negatively bad thing that the glass is half full. Sorry, the, the, glass, sorry, the glass is half empty. The person with a positive attitude will see it as half full. What, what do I mean that? If you see the glass as half empty, you are looking at what you've lost. If you see the glass as half full, you are seeing what you can add to make it complete. Am I making sense now? Do you see every man as bad? Or do you think they're good men? Do you see every girl as bad? I remember that this movie, this movie, I've forgotten the name of the movie. This guy teaches, he teaches ballroom dancing to rebellious kids. And he was able to turn rebellious, crazy kids into people who became very decent. And they were, the parents came to attack him one day. The school board tried to attack him one day. And he said, he said, he said when you go to ballroom dancing, dancing you, when, you, when you start to dance with a woman, you treat her with such gentleness. You know what I mean? You hold her carefully. You lead. You walk. You take care of her in the dance. I said, once you teach a, a, a child to handle a woman like that when he's dancing with her, in real life, he will not treat women as objects of his, of his sexual desire. Those are attitudes. Am I making sense? You know, maybe I'll share that. I don't know if I will. This, this, this talks about the fact that the, 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 the adjustment you have to make in attitude can be so small. For instance, how many of you know that what's the fastest mile, um, mile race? Sorry, not mile race. 100 meter dash. 6.1. 6.7 seconds, 6.2 seconds, am I right? But the person who came second, what did it have? 6.18. Uh, uh, the person that won was 6.18. The one that came second was 6.2. Am I making sense? The person who won ran the race 6.18 seconds. Am I making sense? The one who came second came 6.20. So he was 0 0.02 seconds slower than the winner. Am I right? The winner gets gold. And the second person gets silver. Are you saying that the difference between silver and gold is 0 0.2? That's the same thing with attitude. It's a small adjustment, but the impact is big. When they say this man won a boxing match on points, he probably beat his, his opponent by five points. Am I right? But he won five million and his opponent won two. Are you saying five points is equal to three million? Do you get the, 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 the concept? That's why I say we must say in real life the hundred is a fraction of a second of a fraction. You know, it's, it's let, let me let me put it like this. I, you you got to see what I'm trying to establish with this. Because this is what I was going to use this evening, but I put it aside because I wanted to use Jim Ron's notes. Let me, let me say this: Don't worry about attitude. Don't worry about behavior. Are you getting my point? Don't worry about trying to be holy. Don't, don't try 
worry about being righteous. I don't know if you get the point I'm making. Change the way you see things. Once you change the way you see things, it affects your attitude, your behavior, your righteousness, and your holiness. Most important, change the way you see God. Because it used to happen to me before. Um, because people used to teach me when I was growing up as a Christian was that, have you noticed what they used to tell us when we were growing up as Christians? Don't fornicate. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Am I right? That was incredibly difficult because I spent 90% of my time trying to do what I shouldn't do. Instead of spending 90% of my time doing what I should have been doing. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody. Huh? It's gone again. One face is gone or something. I don't know if I'm making sense. We're going to close in a few minutes. Do you, do you get the point I'm trying to make tonight? Don't, don't, you see, if you say, I want to walk on my attitude, you know what I mean? You're just going to end up beating yourself over the head. What you need to work on is your outlook to life. It shapes your attitude. I don't know if you got the way. The way you as I said tonight, when I, when I started tonight, I began to show you that God cares about so many interests. You know, I was I was looking at a, a guy a few days ago. His wife has three children, Benga. She carries those three children all the way from Iwo Road or something and brings them to church by public transport. Are you getting the point I'm making? Now she has four. So she's going to put one baby on her back, hold the two smaller ones, and get the other one to come. And the husband will turn in his bed in the morning and not even think of dropping her. Preach as much as you like. That guy has no sense of value for his children. If he does, he will never let them do that. My kids were going to his house this morning. There was no car at home. My house help had to follow them to the house. When she got to the house, her instructions were very clear. If there's nobody at home, bring my children back. Am I making sense? If they're at home, drop, hand them over. Am I making sense? And then come back and report to me. Some on, 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 on Easter, on, um, on, um, well, Easter, on Christmas Day, five children from another man's house came into my compound looking for food to eat. Who sent you? Well, our parents said we should go out and look for something to do. So my question now is, how do I get that man to put value? You see, I can, I can get him to carry the car and take his wife by abusing him. But the real change I need to make in his heart is to value what God has given him. And that's why the Bible says, when you have no vision, you lack discipline. When you don't know where you're going, your attitude will go in all sorts of directions. But when you get to God and say, God says, this is the plan. Why don't you open the windows, put on the fans, instead of all suffering like this. Okay, they're going to close in a few minutes. Put on the fans and then we'll, we'll just round up in a few minutes. But do you people understand what I'm saying? That don't focus so much on your attitude. Focus on God. How do you see him? Well, that's why I'm trying to show you aspects of God that we have otherwise ignored. Commissioner. A man is made a commissioner, has never checked the dictionary meaning of the word commissioner. So he spends 20 years as a commissioner, never accomplishing anything, and says, it's not my fault, it's the country. No, you didn't even understand your position, you didn't understand, so you didn't even have the right attitude to it. So nothing came out of it. 
So in other words, tonight, when, when, when I show you, when I when I show you in the next four weeks, the four different four different seasons, when I show you that once your winter is over, you are going straight into what? Into spring, are we? Yeah. After your spring is over, you're going straight into summer. Am I making sense? Then when summer comes, you won't be angry again. When winter comes, you won't because and so you are prepared for it. That will change your attitude. I don't know if you got the point I'm making. You used to, I mean, for instance, I mean, for, I mean, I'm looking today. They're doing programs on television called autism right now on CNN. If you watch it, autism is a very peculiar disease that is affecting certain children. They are just uncoordinated. They don't follow normal. But some of them are geniuses. Am I making sense? But if you understand that your child is autistic, then you won't get angry when he has his tantrums. But if you don't understand that he's autistic, you will always get angry. If you know people in your family are somehow, and this is their weakness, then you stop getting angry with them. Your attitude changes. Am I making sense? Because you have a different paradigm. So don't worry about your attitude. I don't know if you get the point I'm making. Work about getting the facts. That just calms you down. When I look at my people and I look at me, ever since we put these signs all over this place, please do operate the air conditioners, please to keep off the grass, please do this, all my tension has been coming down. Because I found out that no matter how you yell, they won't do it. I don't know if you got the point I'm making. Nigerians are like that. So I found out that whether it was Ibadan, Lagos, even America, if they are Nigerians, we were in one of the most expensive hotels in Dallas for a conference, redeemed conference. The biggest hotel, as a matter of fact, that hotel, you probably need a car to drive you around the hotel. It was that big. I thought the thing said it was about two kilometers inside the hotel. You have to walk. When our Nigerians got there for a conference, they were putting rice in the sitting room and dropping rice in the place. It wasn't the country. It was in the mind of the people. They had traveled thousands of kilometers. The hotel said they would never take a booking from a Nigerian group again. Now, once you understand your people, now that's because nobody told them at the beginning of the program, and you know, Nigerian, ah, oh boy, in this hotel, they know they allow this deal, read them more. Then you would have handled the Nigerian group. Then you wouldn't have been angry. You see, it changes my attitude. I used to be angry, but now I know it's a weakness. I don't know if you so I'm working with their weakness, and that's, that's how it works because I've changed my attitude towards them. I'm more solution-minded. Okay, this person is a weak person. He doesn't keep to time. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So, okay, if I have to send him a text every 10 minutes to make sure that he's doing my job, let me send it because my attitude towards him has changed. So don't worry about that. Let's just talk to God tonight, yeah? Is that okay? First, we've got to thank him. I, I, look, I have a, I have, my computer, I have 5,000... 676 books. I'm not joking. I'm not this one. The one even this one has this one has about 4,000 books. On my computer, this has about 5,600 and something books. And one day, I just I mean that was sometime two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I just clicked and I said, Lord, what am I gonna do next month? I don't know how my hand hit this particular topic. Out of 5,600 books. That's the sovereignty of God. I heard about Psalm 72 three days ago. When I went to the bathroom, I was reading. I mistakenly read today's reading yesterday. 
I don't know. If, sorry, I, I, sorry. I, yeah, I read today's reading yesterday, but yesterday's reading was Psalm 72. I don't know if you get the point I'm making. So when I got to the bathroom and I realized I've read this, then I turned back to the, that particular day's reading. I thought like it was Psalm 72, and I felt God was using three confirmations to tell me to study Psalm 72. Because what I've shown you, you can't find it in your in your Bible if you don't find that version. I, I don't know if you get my point. So I want us to thank God for the fact that he's opening our minds up. He's releasing us into another realm. And what, I remember what Nii said on Sunday. If you want to see a change, then you have to have a revelation. And I believe that's what God is doing. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Makasoto Upalamange Setarabaya. The Bible says that the root, the axe is laid at the root. The Bible says we shall be rivers, which shall be like trees planted by the rivers of living water. Thank you tonight, Father, for, for, for transplanting us. Thank you, Father, tonight for opening our eyes. Thank you, Father, tonight for giving us revelation and understanding. Thank you, Father, tonight for opening our hearts up. Thank you, Father, tonight for helping us. You are wonderful, beautiful for situation. Father, I give you praise. Tonight, help us to make that paradigm shift. Tonight, to see you as the God who has the solution for every situation we face. Good, bad, and ugly. For the God who has a word for every season, uh, who has a direction for everything, uh, the God who has seen the end from the beginning, who the Bible tells us will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able to bear. A God that understands our nation and can make us prosper in it in spite of our nation. A God who understands our circumstances and can make us prosper in it in spite of our circumstances. A God who understands our families and understands our needs and our desires and in the midst of it, help us from today to make wise choices to walk on our attitude. Wise choices to carry out your will. Wise choices to succeed and to do things we've never done before. Master, tonight we release ourselves into your care and we thank you for the revelation that you've released to us. We thank you for the truth that you have given to us tonight. We give you praise for we will walk in the light as you are in the light. And we thank you for the blood that speaketh better things for us than that of Abel. Father, we thank you.